Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles tonight, would you turn with me to the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 1. And the Lord has just really stirred these messages just tonight and next Wednesday night. Um, I believe it's very much in line with where we are presently. And uh, I just feel I need to share what the Lord has been stirring in my heart just concerning uh, just recent events that are taking place and what is happening amongst our, our, our youth, the generation of of this hour, the young people, and uh, we see the judgments of God upon the nation. But I, I just believe we can always look to God's word. We can find an answer. We can find a way in which we need to pray. And I believe through these messages that God will focus our attention and give us a focus in prayer and to pray and to intercede, to keep our focus in prayer and what we have to pray for and how we have to pray. He also give us light on what we have to do as believers in these circumstances in the day in which we are living. And so the title is God's Judgment is on the Nation, and then the subtitle is When the Young Rule, When the Young Rule. So if you have your Bibles, it's Isaiah chapter 1. <clears throat> We're going to read uh, verses 18 through to verse 20. Isaiah chapter 1 and then 18 through to 20. And if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, <clears throat> what is many in the fellowship to hear uh, these messages because I believe it's important for us in prayer as we go forward. <clears throat> so Isaiah 1, excuse me, verse 18 through to 20. Let's read it together. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Father, we pray that you would anoint your word tonight, that you would speak to us, that your word would be opened. Lord, that there would be understanding through the preaching of your word Lord, we ask that you would quicken it by your mighty power. God, help us tonight. Undertake for us that Jesus would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats together. I want to bring just the context um, of this wonderful book, the book of Isaiah. Um, it is a book, of course, written by the prophet Isaiah. It's filled with wonderful prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. This is, of course, 700 years uh, before the birth of Christ. And we look throughout the whole book. It's no wonder that scholars call it the fifth gospel. It is so filled with the truths of the gospel of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to spend a few moments in the introduction to this just to see uh, God's revelation through the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, if you turn over, of course, we see there that um, the prophet prophesies of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, Isaiah 9 and verse 6. And he says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He also prophesied, there are many prophecies, but some of them 
of the mission of Christ. If you turn over into Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1, if you follow these wonderful prophecies concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1, and it says there, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. If you turn over into Isaiah chapter 42, <clears throat> again we see the specific ministry of the Lord. Isaiah 42 and verse 1 says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. This is Jesus. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Then this is the wonderful ministry of the Lord. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment on the truth. Isaiah the prophet prophesied of his anointing, the anointing of the Lord that would be upon him. If you go to Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1, Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1, it says there that the Spirit of the Lord, God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, uh, to proclaim liberty to captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified and they shall build old waste places that shall raise up the former desolations they shall repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. We see the prophecies and the book is filled, this one book of Isaiah is filled with these wonderful prophecies concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest chapter, one of the great chapters in the whole of the Bible is Isaiah chapter 53. Again, the prophet Isaiah speaking of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in Isaiah 53, if you turn to it in verse 3, he is despised, he is rejected of men, he's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, praise God, we are healed. 700 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, under the utterance of the Holy Spirit, prophesies concerning the Lord, the Messiah. In Isaiah 52, if you go back one chapter, he also speaks of the Lord's ascension. He says there in Isaiah 52 and verse 13, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Praise the Lord that the Lord is highly exalted. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. He is exalted very high. His name is Jesus. 
He also speaks of the coming of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 20, Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 20, speaking of the coming of the Lord, he says, Come, my people, enter thy into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. The day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. If you go back to chapter 1, I just want to open this two weeks just with looking at the prophet as he came with the word of the Lord. Do you know, we are seeing at this present time <clears throat> the judgments of God that are being evidently seen all around us in the nation. God's judgments are being manifested in the nation. When God judges the nation, it is a manifestation of who God is. He is just. God is holy. He is just. He is true. And so we are seeing it presently in many areas, the judgments of God upon our nation. Isaiah the prophet, we can look at and we can see as the judgments are pronounced by Isaiah on the nation of Israel, we can see then the pattern and we can also draw the parallels as we see in the prophecies. We can also draw the parallels of the dealings of God with the nation, specifically with the nation of Israel. We know that Isaiah was the prophet to the southern kingdom. He was the prophet over four kings. Uh, for over half a century, he prophesied in the southern kingdom, particularly of Judah. And he brought the word of the Lord. He was the forerunner of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And the judgments of God was coming. And so God would equip him, send him forth with the message into the heart of the people. Right throughout the book, you'll find the pleadings of God as much as there's the announcements of the judgments. We find even on our reading, the Lord is saying, come, come, come now, let us reason together. There's a plead because God is merciful. He is just. He is true. He is holy. But he is also merciful. He is gracious. <clears throat> and so we find here in Isaiah chapter 1, just beginning to read at verse 1, we see here that the vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which was concerning Judah and Jerusalem, and there's the four kings, the, the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. I believe it's Ahaz was the only evil king out of the four, these kings of Judah. It was Manasseh who was the fifth king, the son of Hezekiah. It is believed, it's not recorded in Scripture, but it is believed uh, from tradition uh, that it was Manasseh that martyred Isaiah, that he was sawn in two according to Hebrews 11 and 37 in that great hall of faith. It was Isaiah as the prophet who was sawn in two by that wicked king Manasseh. But in verse 2, the Lord goes straight really to the point. He says in verse 2, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O hearth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children. And then it says, And they have 
rebelled. And you underline the word rebelled or circulate because this will bring us into where the judgments of God, why God was moved to bring a judgment upon the nation of Israel. I have nourished and brought up children, but they have rebelled against me, the Lord says. Now that word rebellion, it was the prophet Samuel that said, if you turn over into 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23, 1 Samuel 15 and 23, this word rebellion is a very important word to understand. Rebellion is a very serious thing in the sight of God when God's children, he said here, had rebelled against him. But in 1 Samuel 15 and 23, the prophet Samuel is speaking to King Saul. And this is what he says, 1 Samuel 15, 23, for rebellion, there's that word again, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. When there is rebellion in the nation, when the nation rebels against God and against his ways, then there will be a manifestation of uh, the demonic familiar spirits and seductive spirits that shouldn't be alarming because the Bible actually tells us in 1 Timothy 4 and 1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart, there's the rebellion, depart from the faith, but they will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So when we see the rebellion in the hearts against God's way, against the truth of God's word, that will be uh, mingled with uh, a spiritual manifestation of seductive spirits and familiar spirits, which now most of our nation is filled with this, filled with rebellion and seductive lying spirits, uh, in particular and in particular amongst the, the youth of today, in particular amongst the youth of today, that is the targeted place of these familiar spirits, rebellion and sin of witchcraft manifestation of the demonic and then the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils that is lies and that means then they will believe they will believe something that is a lie to be true so we have the manifestation of this this is a sign of the judgment of god that is upon our nation we're going to move into this more uh, particularly next week verse 3 says the lord speaking he says the ox this is in chapter 1 knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people does not consider. What what a statement. The ox knows its owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel does not know, and my people does not consider. Verse 4, he says, A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger, and they are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? Ye revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head there is no soundness, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire, your land, strangers devour it in your presence. It is desolate as overthrown by strangers. I want to ask you to look at these verses and do you not see the current condition of our nation? The daughter of Zion, verse 8, is left as a cottage and a vineyard, as a lodge and a garden of cucumbers as a besieged city. 
Verse 9 says, Except the Lord of hosts had left a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. And I thank God that he has left us a remnant across the nations. There is a remnant of people that love the Lord. There are a remnant of people that meet in like fashion, in all manners of different buildings, but they meet, they worship the Lord, and they love the Lord. And so God begins to plead, verse 18, as we read it, Come, come, let us reason, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We see the Lord is pleading with the nation to return, to repent, to come back to God. He's the answer. He's the one that can bind up their wounds and their, and their bruises and their putrefying sores. He's the one that can pour in the oil and the wine, the kind that restores our soul. He's the one that can pour in what we need into our hearts, but he's pleading with the people to come. Thank God we have an advocate with the Father. Thank God in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we have a place that we can come to. 1 John 2 and 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not of any man's sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so Isaiah begins to detail the sins of the nation. It's so important. I believe that the Lord is going to move us into a place of specific praying and intercession for the nation. And it's important that the focus is right in that, that we know why we're praying and what we're praying for, that we see it for what it is. We see the judgments of God on the nation. But in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, O house of Jacob, come. Now the, the prophet is going to detail the sins. He says in Isaiah 2 and verse 5, O house of Jacob, come ye. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they have replenished from the east and are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they please themselves in the children of strangers. Their land is also full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, as is speaking of its strength or its power, and neither is there any end of their chariots. The land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their hands, not which their own fingers have made. In other words, the nation becomes so focused upon itself, upon its abilities, upon its strength, upon its riches, upon its idols, upon its power, upon its talents, upon its finances. It forgets God. And so now they're looking at everything of what they can do. The slogan, the, the political slogan of both the United Kingdom and the United States of America from both Prime Minister Johnston and President Biden, their slogan is build back better. We're coming back stronger, stronger than ever before. The, the, the pride and the pomp of the two most powerful Western leaders uh, in, in the world is that we are coming back greater, we are coming back stronger, and we're coming back better. And that is an indication of the pride of man, the pride of these nations that has forgot God, that have turned to their own abilities that have turned to their own mechanics, if you like, in order to achieve their own ends. But friends, we, we are living in the days when the judgments of God are so evident around us. 
And we, we un, need to understand what those judgments are. God is just in his judgments. It is a manifestation of who God is when we see that. In particular, these last couple of weeks, we have seen the rise of the youth, the youth movements that are being sold a lie. <clears throat> and they're, they're looking to get behind something, to follow something. And so the youth are rising up in their power. That one of the great judgments that we're about to witness is that the young are going to rule our nation. Young people are going to rule our nation. And that is a tragedy. This is the sign, as an indication of the judgment of God upon the nation when the young people rise up and rule. And we see it, we see, I don't understand it. I don't understand why that some of these young people, I particularly be, believe that that young lady, uh, Greta Thunberg, I, I believe it's terrible how that young girl is being manipulated, that is being pushed to the forefront, that the media are manipulating, that her own parents are allowing her to go to be manipulated to the forefront, but she has been elevated to a position that a young person should not be elevated to. And see, what we're going to witness is actually as they create the youth forums and the youth governments, even in our own nation, we have the youth forum that meet at the assembly that they're going to make decisions. The youth are going to rule the nations. This is actually ends up a judgment of God upon the nation. And this is a, this is a frightening moment. This is a, a moment for us to be awake and to be sober. The land is so full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And so we see the rise of this pride that is in the heart of these nations that are rising up that once were nations that feared the Lord, but now the judgments of God are being executed upon the nations. We see it with homosexuality. We see it in every avenue, but in particular in recent times, we've seen as the young, and I believe we need to pray, the young, not all are going to be caught up in this, but the young are being caught up in the doctrines of devils. And they're believing the lie to be true. And so the Lord gives instruction in Isaiah 2 and verse 10 for the believer. What does he say to us? Here's what God says for the church. Isaiah 2 and verse 10. He says, enter into the rock. Hide thee in the dust for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of the man shall be humbled and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and everyone that is lifted up shall be brought low. So in the days in which we are living, Isaiah the prophet speaking to Israel, of course, at that time, for those that had an ear to hear, for those that had a heart after God, for those that were the followers of the word of God and, and God himself, here the prophet says there is an answer for us as God's people. We need to enter into that rock. We need to enter into the rock in these days of great trouble and trial and storm and judgment that is coming upon the nation and the turmoils that are on all around us and the unfolding of these events that are going to continue. The answer for us is to get into the rock. It tells us in Exodus chapter 33, if you turn back to it, when Moses was seeking the glory of God, that he wanted to meet with God. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, 
In Exodus 33 and 21, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. Thank God we have a place by him. In the midst of these storms that have come, in the midst of the judgments that are going to be executed and are being executed in the nation, praise God for the church of Jesus Christ. There's a place by the Lord. There's a place we can go to. There is a refuge in the midst of the turmoil and in the trouble. Thou shalt stand upon a rock. Thank God our feet are upon the rock tonight. Thank God that even though the storms and the winds may come, but our feet are upon that rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ. It says, and it shall come to pass, when my glory passeth by, that I will boot thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand, while I pass by. There is no greater place in the planet to be tonight than in Christ. There is no greater place for the church. It's so important that we know and we see and witness and understand the judgments of God. And sometimes that can seem like a fearful thing. But friends, there's no greater place for us tonight to be in Christ. In the storm, but we're in Christ. Our lives are hid with Christ in God. Praise God tonight that the storms are coming, but praise the Lord we can get into that rock tonight. There's a place for us in Christ, even though that is not all around us, there's sinking sand, but thank God our feet are on that rock, and that rock is Jesus. Praise God tonight, even in our personal circumstances, in our homes, and what is happening in our lives, thank God our feet are on that rock tonight. That is an immovable rock. No matter what the enemy will do, no matter the winds that come, praise God tonight our feet are upon that rock. We can enter in. There's a faith in our hearts that we must enter into this fullness of Christ. We must enter into that place. God said there's a place by me. I want to be in that place. That place is in Christ. So by faith we enter into that rock and there's a place of security, there's a place of safety, it's a place of refuge, it's a place of protection, it's a place of where he can sustain us by his great power, it's a place of comfort, it's a place of peace, it's a place of joy, it's a place where there's the songs of deliverance, it's a place where we can sit and we can dwell in the midst of the storm. Thank God for that rock and that rock is Jesus. And so the execution of the judgments of God that we are witnessing and we're going to witness, it is important that the church of Jesus Christ enter into that rock. Get into that new place with the Lord. Get into that fresh place with Him. If the communion has been dry, if it has been barren, I encourage you, repent. Come now, let us reason together. He's not willing to push anyone away. He wants that communion. Get in close with God. Even as that hen would gather in that little chick, get under the wings of this great God tonight. Praise God, there's a place for the believer that we can dwell. Then says, hide thee. Look what it says in Isaiah 12, 2 and 10. Hide thee in the dust. It says, enter into the rock, but hide, hide thee in the dust. This is speaking of, of a humility for us. The world are, are rising up. They're beating their chests. They're building back better. They're going on. They're getting bigger. But for us, brothers and sisters, the Lord is saying, hide yourself in the dust. Get into that low place with the Lord. Get before him 
and humility. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 5, if you turn over to it, this is so important for us in the, in the days. I believe the true mark of the remnant, as people talk an awful lot about the remnant, but the true mark of the remnant will be they will just be like him. They will be servants. They will be humble like him. And so that's important that we hide ourselves in the dust. 1 Peter 5 and 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, and this is contrary to the judgments or what we're seeing in the world. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Do you see that around? Do you see that in the world? It's completely the opposite what's taking place. And that's the judgment of God on this nation. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God. We mentioned it a few weeks ago. Humble yourselves unto the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care upon him. Praise the Lord, for he cares for you. Is there any greater place to be in the planet than in the rock and under his mighty hand? Whatever's going to happen, this is the place for the believer. But then it says there, it says, for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. For the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. You know, he is glorious in his judgments. I'm going to say that again. He is glorious in his judgments. He is glorious in his judgments. When God begins to judge the nations, he is glorious in his judgments. We must hide, enter into the rock, hide ourselves in the dust. But we also must know what it is to fear the Lord. That's a reverence. That's not something that we run away from. It's a reverence. A reverence for the Lord. I want to speak just for a, a few moments, just in some verses. If you want to follow me, you can. But the Bible has at least at least thirty or forty references to the fear of the Lord. But you can surely say that in the day that we are in, there is no fear of God. There is no fear of God. And friends, sadly, we can even come closer into most of what we know to be the church. There is no fear of God, even amongst the broader sense of what is known to be the church today. They do not fear the Lord. But Job 28 and 28 says these words. I'm going to go through some of the fear of the Lord's. Job 28 and 28. And unto man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. If you turn over into the book of Psalms, Psalm 19 and verse 9. Psalm 19 and verse 9. I want to go through some of these verses. Psalm 19 and verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. 
The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Proverbs 8 and 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. The next chapter, Proverbs 9 and 10, says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. Earlier we looked at Job, it said that it is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding. And here it says, The beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 14 and verse 26. Proverbs 14 and verse 26. The fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. To depart from the snares of death. In Proverbs 15, the next chapter, it says... 15 and 16, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Isn't that mighty? Better it is little, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Proverbs 19 and verse 23 says, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. And he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Let me say that one again. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. And he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. And Proverbs 22 and verse 4 says, By humility... And the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Lord, our prayer is that we would be a people that have the fear of the Lord, that truly know what it is to have the fear of the Lord. Do you know when Paul the Apostle got saved, And the word traveled about that he had got wondrously and gloriously saved and he was already preaching. In Acts chapter 9, if you turn over, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, it says these words, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified And then it says they walked in the fear of the Lord. There's two things about the church. They walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost and were multiplied. They walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And it says that the church was multiplied. Brothers and sisters, we're living in a very unique time in history. I I know we say that often. I don't want it to become something we're familiar with or it is merely a cliche that, that we say or that we think or it becomes a flippant thing that we just, it rolls off our, our, 
our tongue very easy. But we really are. And one of the great judgments that we're witnessing right at this moment in time is the rise of our young people that have believed a seductive spirit. They have believed a seductive spirit. They believe the lion spirit. There is a very potent lion spirit that is filling the young people's heads, and young people believe that to be true. Their thinking is so distorted. Not every one of them. Thank God for the young ones that aren't. There is many that aren't, that love the Lord or walking with the Lord. But we see on a bigger scale, on a grander scale, we see across the nations that there is a very specific lying spirit that has come and that it is filling their heads with lies, but they believe that to be true. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, have a privileged position to be able to come before the throne of grace and to effectively pray and pray that God would move by a spirit with the spirit of truth and would break this spirit that's over their minds and we would see a harvest of these young people brought into the kingdom in these days. We have a privileged position because we have our eyes opened to the hour in which we've come to. We have an understanding, not in full, but we have a limited understanding and light in which the day we've come to. And so the reason that I want to really focus in on what was happening at the time of Isaiah is because there's very much a parallel between these opening chapters in Isaiah and the day in which we've come to. We see the sins of the nation were categorized and listed out by the prophet, and we see the pleadings of the Lord. The Lord pleads. The Lord's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's rich in mercy, but he pleads for a return of the people. Our responsibility in this, and over the next week we'll come more specifically into it, but we are going to see in, in, in chapter 3 that things are removed from the nation. This is the judgment of God. God takes away the things of which the nation has been trusted upon. What is going to happen, what is happening is the things that this nation, I mean the United Kingdom and particularly the Western nations, the things of which they have trusted in, their strength and their power and their talents and their works of their own hands, God very quickly is going to take that away. And what we're going to see is a dramatic change take place over these coming years as the Lord tarries. We're going to see a dramatic change take place in our nation. For us as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to be ready for this. We need to be ready with the word of the Lord. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to have the fear of the Lord and we need to have the comfort of the Holy Ghost. We need to be comforted by him, but also to comfort others. And so in our prayers, it is so important that we pray the word of God. We pray the truth of God when we come to pray for one another and to pray for the specific needs. It is important that there's a focus, and I hope you hear me, but that there's a focus in our prayers. That when we come, that we have a sense of the Spirit and what we're praying for and the direction in which we're going in prayer. And we need to pray specifically for our young people. We need to pray specifically for a breakthrough. I believe this in our young people specifically. 
I don't want to go into more details on what I have to, but I believe this not this is not just a local thing that's taken place, but in specific for our young people brought up in Christian homes are being specifically targeted by the spirit of this age. And I believe it's so important that as God's people that we focus our prayers together in agreement and in the Holy Ghost that we begin to pray effectively that they will not be caught up in the spirit of this age, but that they will come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that they would all be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And so the focus of the prayer has to be clear as we're moving forward over these next few weeks. We see God's judgment upon the nation. We see the rise of, when you see the rise of those young people and marching on the streets of Glasgow, of Belfast, of London, and they're being spirited on, uh, Barack Obama stood and said, make sure you remain angry. That's what he said to the young people. Well, I know, and I'm just saying, if President Trump had said that a few years ago, they probably would have locked him up. But he is fueling into these young people the lie that they're believing and channeling them off into this whole Antichrist system. And so I, we see it, but we have to pray effectively that God would raise up a band of young people out of all of this mess that they would be recovered from the lion spirit that there is. Does anyone else believe this, that there is a lion spirit in these young people? If you only have a conversation with many of them on the streets, they don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. They don't know where they're from. They don't know where they're going. Their minds are completely overtaken. They've been indoctrinated with lies from the enemy. I know that's not necessarily popular, but it actually is the truth. The only answer to that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the church needs to focus their prayer. We need to focus our prayer in this particular area as we see so many being swept away. And so in this, we know that there's mercy. We know there's a place for us. It's, it's in the rock. But it's in that place of humility. But it's also that God would give us a real sense of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And so we're going to pray specifically, specifically for our young, for our children. Pray specifically for them. And I encourage you tonight to keep our focus when we pray tonight for our young ones and for the band of young people that are around us. We need, we need to pray. And so we ask tonight, Lord, that you would help us as we come to this time. Lord, we're going to seek your face. But, oh God, Lord, as these young people, oh God, that are all around us, that are being swept away, Lord, with the lies of the enemy. And, oh God, we're asking tonight, Lord, oh God, that you in your wrath would remember mercy. And, Lord, that you would come by the power of your Spirit, and Lord, that you would enable us tonight to pray effectively, Lord. Oh God, we're asking, Lord, that you would move by your Spirit, Lord. Oh God, would you anoint us, each one. Lord, in this meeting tonight, Lord, to lay hold of God. 
Oh, God, we have a privileged place at the throne of grace. Lord, may we effectively use it tonight in prayer, oh God. May the focus be right, Lord. Lord, may we target our prayer for our young people. Lord, we need you to move, Lord. Lord, amongst even our own young ones that come, Lord, week in and week out. But, oh God, we pray, Lord, that you would arrest them, Lord, that you would move, Lord, by your Spirit. Oh God, in wrath, remember mercy, Lord. Lord, in this nation, we pray, Lord, would you have mercy upon it, O God. Oh, Father, would you have mercy upon our leaders, O God. Lord, would you have mercy upon this nation. Lord, we cry unto you tonight, O God. Lord, giving you praise, giving you glory. Lord, would you flood your people afresh. Lord, with the power of your spirit, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together tonight. Praise the Lord.